please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, and this week we're we're in studio to talk about some of the events that have been going on that we've been hearing in, in the news this last week, and it's been kind of an up-and-down week for, for gun rights. Uh, I think that when we look back this week and we see what happened in Texas and we start to think a little bit further back as to what had gone on in Paris with, with the Charlie Hebdo uh, tax a few months ago and some of the things that have been talked about both online and, and with me personally this week, it, it really was a, a time for reflection on wh- why do we carry a firearm and what does it mean for us? Well, you and, never know when you're going to need your firearm, and that's the reason the best time to carry it is all the time, because you never know when you're going to need it. And that's absolutely I'd rather true. have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Which is, you know, the, the time-honored cliche that gets marched out all the time. And and I agree. I agree that you there's... There's always a possibility of something happening. I think that there used to be two schools of thought on why a person carried a firearm. And the first thought was, well, I might need it, which is exactly what you said, Jesse. And this, I, I think this school of thought is pretty you know, common. People say, you know, I, I live in a bad neighborhood. I, I'm a, a victim of domestic violence. I've had things happen in the past. I've seen things happen to my friends. I've you know, been at a convenience store just after it was robbed. All of these things come in to, to play into the idea that we might have to defend ourselves or our family. Therefore, we carry a firearm in public. And Well, not to mention, I watch the news. See, there's, there's all these reasons of I'm a victim of domestic violence. Well, I was in the past. Um, uh, this happens in my neighborhood or that happens in my neighborhood. It happens in all neighborhoods. And in fact, sometimes the best neighborhoods, gated communities, have shootings. What was the name of that boy that, that got shot by the guy? Um, it was in a gated community that made the, it made the headlines. This young guy, young black man was in the neighborhood and the guy shot him. The one in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. That was in a gated community. And so you really never know who's getting access to the community you live in, whether it's gated or not. Right. And so you, you want to always be prepared. It doesn't matter why. But but what if you're in public, you know? <clears throat> you never know who's going to go crazy. And and this this line of thought that there, there's going to be a robbery, there's going to be something that happens, you're going to get targeted out. All of this comes down to the same sort of argument. Something bad could happen, so I'm going to be prepared for it. And the people who are pro this argument say, well, it's better to be prepared. It's better to have it and not need it. The people who are anti this argument turn around and say, well, you're living in fear. You're afraid of something happening, so you, you have a gun. I have a gun. I don't have to be scared. But that those are the two you know sides of that idea. I have always gone in a different direction. I don't carry a gun because I'm going to I'm afraid something's going to happen to me. Now it's a possibility. I accept that it's a possibility, but I don't think that it's a probability because I live my life in such a way that it's highly unlikely that I'm going to be somewhere that's a dangerous spot. I, I you know I, I tend to be home before dark. I tend to stay out of areas that are high crime. I tend to be places where bad guys aren't. And my thought pattern is is that I live a fairly safe life and that's not my primary reason for carrying a gun. I carry a gun because I see it as a symbol that I am not a subject to a king. I am not under the authority of a state. I am a free person 
who can defend himself as necessary and defend himself not only from someone who wishes me harm who is breaking the law, but someone who wishes me harm who believes they're enforcing it, too. I am a person who can take care of myself in every situation, and I don't worry. And that's a completely different mindset than thinking, oh, I'm going to get robbed or, oh, I'm going to have something bad happen to me. Well, you bring up an interesting fact about, well, you know, I'm home by dark and, you know, you, you take all the, the precautions to not have to put yourself in a situation. I lower my risk factors. Yeah, you do. And, and there are places that are higher risk factors than others. Say a strip club is higher risk factors than church yeah. <laughs> most of the time. Unless you go to, say, Westboro Baptist. Well, you know, you say that, but think about all the church shootings that have happened over the years, too. And that was one of the major impetuses for us changing the law here in Georgia was that there are so many church shootings. It doesn't dissuade people who want to do harm, but it does dissuade people who want to protect. Yeah, and that's the issue with all the gun laws is they dissuade the people that want to protect. All these businesses that put a sign on their door that says, we don't want anybody carrying a gun into our establishment, they're always the first one to be targeted for robbery, aren't they? It seems like it. It doesn't just seem like it. It kind of adds up. Well, you know, they, they kind of create a system of open season on themselves. Yeah, I was listening do. to an interview of Hank Johnson this last week, and he said that for police officers nationwide, it's open season on young black men. And the interviewer looked – well, it was a radio interview. But he's, he says, well, surely, you know, open season is a hunting term, and surely you don't mean that the young black men are being hunted by cops, right? And Representative Hank Johnson from Georgia, our, our wonderful elected member of Congress, says, well – that's kind of exactly what I mean. And I was like, face palm. This is just amazing that we have somebody who is an elected member of Congress who believes that cops are out there hunting citizens. You know, I've noticed something weird has going on with our police officers. Okay. Is police chief and, and now a sheriff shooting a woman they were involved with by oh, yeah. accident. Um, police chief cooperated with investigation. Sheriff, not, not. so much. Yeah. And how how do you shoot somebody, not cooperate with the investigation, and then they only charge you with a misdemeanor? I, I don't know, but he has a wonderful defense team working him through that and the 37 corruption charges he was facing when he was reelected. I think he should lose his power as a sheriff and they should give it to somebody else, hold a, an emergency election or something. That's ridiculous. I, I don't think you've watched enough Westerns. Usually the sheriff is corrupt and the, it's the poor ranchers who are trying to make it through. You know what I just heard in my head? What? Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I would like some spaghetti for lunch, maybe. Anyway, so, you know, we're, we're looking at all of these different facets, and the one that popped out the biggest in the news this week was the shooting in Texas. And I think that this deserves a little bit of extra attention as we go into our second segment, because this was kind of a big deal, and there was a lot of heated opinion from, and I would want to say both sides, but it's more like five or six or eight sides to this story. And this is a pretty in-depth thing, which is getting short shrift by every media outlet out there, except for us. Yeah, well, we're we're going to discuss it in depth here from what we know about it. I find the whole situation very interesting that, A, they were having a Muhammad cartoon contest inside the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think that that was just kind of bait for terrorists. And that is one point that I really want to address is the idea of this. And I, I saw it pop up several times on Facebook. There's things floating around about it. People are making jokes that this is the equivalent of hunting over bait, that you put out something that's known to attract the terrorists, and then you just sit back and wait. And so the, we need to do this more often and just sit back and wait and just take care of the ISIS in our country this way. Well, that... I. 
that's a horrible thing. <laughs> and that's exactly what I want to stay away from is because I think that's a horrible idea. I don't and, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think that, that we don't want that element in our country. And if we can slice it out, I mean, sometimes you, you get a cancer on your skin. You have to go and get a doctor to cut that thing off of there, you know. Well, wasn't that the whole justification for the Afghan war is that instead of fighting them here in the U.S., we should go and fight them there in Afghanistan because it'll draw instead of them sending people over here to attack. Now they have to defend their own territory and they're attacking there and it supplants the war. But didn't they say they've got 72 operatives in 15 states here? I think we should weed out their 72 while we have the chance. Well, before they multiply and become 144. Okay, so they've got about one third of the attendance of a Georgia Kerry convention. Woohoo for ISIS! There you go, across 15 states. That's impressive. What did they think two people was going to do? Well, they're not organized. That's the thing. This is not some. They don't have a grand central command, you know, that's in in the middle of a goat field in Afghanistan that's sending out orders saying, "Okay, we want to attack on U.S." Target. Let's see. Oh, they are having. They are having a a a Mohammed cartoon contest in Garland, Texas. Let us round up our two best operatives and send them there. Did you see the drawings? I did not. My favorite one was the chalk outline. It was awesome. Oh wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So. Oh wow! I took the words away from Doug King. You better mark that in your calendars, listeners. That doesn't happen very often. So we're we're talking about you know what what are the implications of this and you know the the first one that we come to is was this something that was designed to draw out an attack now if I that's don't think so if that's true then the people who organized this thing had a depraved indifference towards human life I'm pretty sure that it was a young lady that organized it and I think that she was just being kind of irresponsible well are and that's another question is it irresponsible to have free speech. It shouldn't be, but in today's, we have a a culture of hate right now going on, whether it's um, the radical Islamists or it is people marching, looting, and burning buildings that don't belong to them. Then the emperor has already won. I'm afraid so, at least temporarily. I think that the president-in-chief that we have in office right now decided that he wanted to stir up the the racial differences in this country, and he's done a fine job at doing it. Racial and religious. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we've got two fronts here that have really caused a, a lot more strain than we have seen in decades on, on both ends. And it, it's really a shocking thing. Uh, earlier this week, we were talking, and you said, you know, what what is something that that you know if you think about or or when it comes to mind brings tears to your eyes and i've been trying to wrestle with that idea for a few days you want to know what really brings tears to my eyes every time i think about it the thought of your kids growing up in this world should bring tears to your eyes the loss of what america is I was listening to a song this morning and it dawned on me that that's really what what makes me feel insecure is the loss of what America was and is and may never be again. Anyway, we're coming up on a commercial break. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we get back. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio right here on your local station. And now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. And when we took our commercial break, we were talking about 
you know, the, this shooting in Texas and all of the tension that's going on in this country and kind of tying it into why, why at least for myself, why I carry a gun as a badge of being a free citizen. And when we, we took the break, I was just saying, you know, Jesse and I had been talking earlier in the week about things that, that bring a tear to your eye or make you feel very, you know, uncomfortable or, or things that bother you deeply. And, to me, the biggest thing is the loss of what America is. And I see this play out in my life over and over again, the, the idea of the loss of familiarity, the loss of co- the, the level of comfort, the loss of freedom working together that, that unnerves me. And I, know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to, to the differences. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about some differences here. When I was a kid, this is 1980s, early 80s, okay? When dinosaurs ruled the earth. Oh, whatever. You're the same age as You're I am. You're older than me. By Come nine months. There Don't you go. even start. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not the one that gets offered the senior discount when I go into Publix. And yet I'm younger than you are, so think about that. You look old. It's just been a hard life up to this point. Yeah, I'm yeah. high mileage. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, back in the 80s when we were kids, who did we have to worry about, really? I mean, there were, there were a couple... Cobra, that's great. There was a couple of sex offenders in our neighborhood. You know, you didn't really know about them. There weren't any signs on their yards, and there was no registry for them. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have, like, drug dealers trying to push drugs in most neighborhoods. Like, I didn't know it cracked. Nancy Reagan went out there and beat them if they did. Yeah, Nancy Reagan. She was hard on it. We could ride our bicycles up and down the side road and not have to worry about somebody hitting us with the car because people actually cared to look for little kids. And now the only people you didn't who have to, to be look supervised. For little kids is defects. Yeah, defects will look for little kids and take them away from their parents. But you were able to let your kids play outside without supervising them every minute. And now parents feel like they can't do that anymore because the world has changed. Well, the truth is, if you look at FBI statistics, we are living in a much safer world today than we ever have been. The, the amount of kidnappings is down. The amount of child molestation is down. The amount of child endangerment is down. How has the world changed? Think about it for a minute. It's not that it's happening more. It's that we know about it more. It's that the media is able to cover it thanks to the Internet and, and thanks to other sources. Yeah, We didn't have CNN and headline news when we were kids. And so we're pumped in with 24-hour negativity. If you turn on to CNN, you get constantly negative news. And it tells you about every bad thing that's happening in the world, and it makes you paranoid. Okay, then if this is every bad thing that's happening in the world and how paranoid and how horrible it is, and you can listen to the thousands of Georgia guns that are stolen and used in crimes. If you're going to bring up the tornadoes again, I'm going to scream. I'm not. Doug King looks at me this morning and says, you know, we hear about tornadoes all over the United States, but why do we never hear about any in other countries? I guess we don't. They don't have them. I don't. I don't really know the answer to that question. Well, what what I was going for is we hear about all of this negative news all the time. Where is the coverage about the shooting in Texas? About how it only took fifteen seconds to end the attack? Oh, it is. There's major coverage on it. I didn't see it on CNN as much. It was on CNN. It's on all over the internet, and basically. 
An armed guard took them down, and the armed people inside the exhibit, because let's face it, it's Texas, and they're armed. No Hooray. offense, Jerry Henry. They're almost as well-armed as Georgia. They're, no, I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody from Texas, but they were all armed, and I, they were kind of disappointed that they didn't get a crack at it, you know? You know, I, I want to be real clear here. We're not trying to be offensive to anybody. We're not trying to be offensive to any racial group, any religious group, any, any Texas group that may be out there. But when you see people who, you know, take up arms to shoot innocent people or who take up bricks to break into stores, you have to say that it's not the entire group or the entire religious, racial, ethnic minority that this may be. What it is is the people who make those choices, the people who choose to hurt others, the people who choose to steal, the people who choose to, you know, do evil in this world and whoever they are whatever their skin color whatever their religion whatever their their mindset is it doesn't matter once you choose to be do evil you're an enemy of all people well we have a a man here his name is elton simpson he's an african-american um he had a roommate the roommate's name is nadir hamid sufi who is a, a muslim he is um I would say of Middle Eastern descent. Those are the two gentlemen that did the shooting, and I use the word gentleman very loosely. loosely. Um, but the man named Elton Simpson had been convicted previously for, um, it was in 2010, a case related to an FBI terror investigation. Mm. So they had already Identified been looking him. into him as, as a, an issue. Well, that's the thing about most of these people who take up arms to hurt innocents. And I, I don't like the word terrorist because they don't strike terror into my heart. I don't know about our listeners or anybody else out there. But the the idea of somebody you know, taking a gun and walking into a public place and deciding to hurt other people doesn't terrorize me. I'm not scared of them because I know that I know where I'm going when I die. So if they kill me... I don't have to worry about it. I know where I'm going. I know that, that I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I'm not scared of them, but at the same time, I don't feel like I should have to die at the hands of them, and I'd much rather put one in them before they got the opportunity to put one in me. Well, sell your cloak and buy a sword, you know. In That's the what end, the Bible says. In the end, we, we all are responsible for our, our own safety and for the safety of others. And if you choose to be somebody who wants to harm innocents, then you are an enemy of all mankind. The, I don't care. The art exhibit was a free speech exhibit that was themed Draw the Prophet and was created by the American Freedom Defense Initiative as a answer to a pro-Muslim event that was held there in January. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting concept. It, this harkens back to what we saw in France with the Charlie Hebdo attack back a few months ago. I mean, th- that was really a traumatic thing. You saw, you know, it was, again armed gunmen going into a this time it was an office space they killed several people and then they escaped including one of the people they attacked was a police officer who was unarmed which is another interesting idea that has been floated lately in light of the boston riots and some of the other things that are going on i I know michael moore who is probably not the the favorite documentarian of the georgia carey crowd that's listening to our show right now but michael moore came out with the idea well why are our police officers armed which is an interesting concept because 
you know, in the one hand, you want a police officer to be able to stop a armed insurgent who is going to be attacking somewhere. If that officer in Paris had been armed, it might have been over in 15 seconds like the private security guard here. But on the other hand, police officers are not charged with stopping crimes. That's not their goal. Their goal is to investigate crimes and to arrest people for crimes. This was a Dallas police officer. Off-duty armed security, he was, though. He was off-duty armed security, but he was a Dallas police officer. And he did what he had to do to save however many people were in the in the art show. Mm-hmm. And I say kudos to him. I think he did a great job. Should we have some officers who are armed and some officers who are not then? I mean, should it does every police officer who is supposed to be you know serving and protecting people who is out there as a community liaison who is you know flying the flag should they be armed should they drive cars that look like they're out of the decepticons on the transformers i think they should be armed because that job is a very dangerous job and i wouldn't want to send my family member daily into crack houses without a gun and a bulletproof vest you know, and, and these people have families. They're they're U.S. citizens. At the same time, I believe that there's both sides of the subject that need more training. They you know, they say that the people that carry concealed, the people that have weapons carry licenses, they they want us to get more training. Our people in in um, the under the gold dome down here downtown want us to get more training but we're not the issue you never hear of junk like this happening with us it's with the cops and it's because of the frequency in which they're in these situations the chances of me going out and getting into a situation where i have to draw my gun today is zero to none the chances of any officer doing a routine stop and having to draw his gun he's he's going to be in five or six situations just today where he's going to feel like he may have to draw his weapon so your argument is because their line of work leads them to deal with dangerous people in a place where they are unhappy and 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 possibly uh, angry that that means that they should be allowed to carry their firearms no i don't think unhappy and uh, angry i think unsafe they're in unsafe situations dealing with dangerous people criminal element Dealing with criminal element, definitely. So if that if that is the logic, then shouldn't defense attorneys be allowed to carry their guns everywhere they have to deal with defendants? I believe they should, but they don't. They and don't. See, that's one of the things we should be able to work on here is defense attorneys get to deal with the same scum, but later on when they're already mad because they got arrested. Yeah. But see, there, it's a different logic used in why you're not allowed to carry a gun into the courthouse or into the jail. And I can I can understand the jail. I mean, I can I get that right. one. But when I'm dealing with a courthouse where I have to go where there are people who are laying in wait for me, I mean, there that has happened more often than I care to admit. I've seen a video of a poor defense attorney in California dodging around a tree where someone goes after him with a gun when he came out of the courthouse. Well, didn't you have one come after you and you had to break his nose? That's a long story. Yeah. yeah. Not probably appropriate for the air. Well, I but mean, they, but they do come after their own attorney sometimes. Yes. And so it's it's a safety issue. But we're coming up on a commercial break. So, folks, uh, stay tuned. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Charlie Ebdo attack and Garland, Texas, uh, right here on GeorgiaCarry.org radio. Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, everybody. And during the commercial break, Jesse and I were talking a little bit more about Baltimore and the way the Baltimore police have, have had interactions with their citizenry. Jesse, you were saying about how, how their department has so many issues. Yeah, I read an article somewhere where Baltimore had had a lot of um, issues with not just arresting uh, people for no reason, reason that were of... of background of you know african-american background but also white people and it turns out that baltimore police department just has a lot of issues on the surface i think i read a statistic where over the past five years they've paid out over six million dollars in suits for police misconduct to over 100 people so over a hundred times they've had to settle a police misconduct suit to the tune of six million dollars total yeah and that is Crazy. And when I first heard the $6 million number, that wasn't that big a deal to me. I was like, oh, wow, one jury awarded someone $6 million. And Woo-hoo. I've been to Baltimore. Baltimore is not one of the biggest cities. It's it's really not a huge city. It's good size, but it's not near the size of Atlanta. And you don't hear of Atlanta PD having Paying to out settle. a hundred <laughs> cases. Right. I mean, that's it's not the number. I mean, $6 million is not that big a number, but it's 100 cases. 100 cases adding up to $6 million. That's, that's over 20 cases a year. So that means that what are they doing? Well, there's some pol- police brutality. There's been some unlawful arrests, I'm sure. And, and there's things that the police do that they know they're not supposed to do, taking away people's rights, etc. I heard, I heard an attorney up there give an example of when they took one of these cases to trial. And at the last minute, the 11th hour, they found video from the bar. And what the police said is that they had approached a guy on the, the a stool. He was drunk. He became belligerent. He attacked the officers, and they had to defend themselves. And they neither one of the officers could testify as to the massive amount of broken bones the gentleman had in his face. Well, they unearthed this video, and they show the officer walk up to him, handcuff him on the bar stool, spin him around, start questioning him in handcuffs, and then punch him in the face and knock him off the stool. And there you have video evidence of this absolutely horrible incident. They didn't punch him in the face. He fell into their fist repeatedly. Yeah. But that's just one example of what had been going on in Baltimore that led up to these riots. Yeah. And and it happens apparently more in Baltimore than anywhere else. But they are, they've arrested the officers that were involved in that shooting. And they are now investigating the police department there. Mm-hmm. But you see the the rioting that occurred from that. Those people, although they handled it the wrong way, marching and being heard and, and protesting. I'm I'm for using your voice. I am not for busting out windows, burning buildings down, throwing rocks at officers, getting a new TV, getting a new TV you didn't pay for, and and stealing is not earning. I don't care what the one guy in the article uh, said. Again, uh, I take the point where you're attacking innocence that you've become an enemy of all mankind. Right, and and when you start rioting, I believe that now it's time to lock you up and take your freedoms away. And let you try to defend yourself in a court of law and explain or, your actions. Or let your mother come and beat you senseless on national I TV. I thought that was hilarious. And as I was watching her on national TV. I said, get him, get him, because and, I really believe that that's part of the problem. And here, I turn around, and right when you said that, did I say, I bet she's going to have a defects investigation. And she sure did, too. She's got defects crawling out of her rear end right now because they believe that she's a danger to her children. I think... 
that she removed her child from what was a danger to him, and she did a good job. Yeah, I, I agree, but that doesn't... And you see, this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. What makes me afraid? What do I mourn? I mourn the loss of America and the loss of American freedom. And see, that's that's the other thing, is, is Americans used to be minding their own business when it came to someone else's kids. Now we've got defects in social services and and whatever they call it in different states, and they make accusations, and then they come and take your children without any proof or any explanation. And you see this the, the, the ever-encroaching government fingers getting further and further into everybody's lives, where you have these agencies that can investigate you. You've got the police departments that use deadly force. You've got federal agencies that are in charge of law enforcement. You've got TSA. I mean, would you have imagined when we were kids i mean i remember okay this is gonna really stretch back i remember getting a thing in a cracker jack box that said pass for going to the airport to watch airplanes take off and land oh right yeah and i got that i was like whoa and i showed it to my mom i'm like three or four right i said Mm -hmm. is that real can i can we go to the airport and watch airplanes take off and land and she says not get on. I said, no, not get on. Just watch. And he's like, yeah, anyone can go in an airport terminal and sit and watch the airplanes take off and land. But why would you want to? Oh, my dad used to do that for us for entertainment. We would drive out to the local airport in Huntington, West Virginia and, and watch planes and go land. go into the terminal and you can sit. We and did you can not watch. go into the terminal. My dad set us at, perched right at these gates where we would sit facing the runway. And then the, the airplane would basically take off over our car. It was pretty cool. But now, now you can't go into an airport terminal without a ticket or two. And they get really funny about everything. And you have to go through the naked body scanners. And you've got to get patted down. And the level the, of... The naked body scanner is a violation of my privacy, I believe. I, I feel very violated when I go to court, or not court, but um, the airport. And I have to take my shoes off and and get naked through the scanner and uh, you know prostate exam for the men and and mammograms for the ladies just for free and for fun for the people that are doing it i just don't like it i had when i was a, a district attorney in alaska i had to fly often and i had a choice i could fly on the alaska airlines jet which would get me to anchorage in about an hour and a half or i could fly on the tiny little pen air commuter plane that would get me to anchorage in about three hours and i took pen air every single time because it was a small airline and it didn't fall under tsa regulations so i didn't have to go through any tsa scanning to get to anchorage and back and here we go i can you know by selecting a, a different airline i voted with my money and voted around tsa and i be honest other than my flight up to alaska my flight back to alaska i haven't flown any flights that would require tsa ever i've avoided it my entire life well, unfortunately, the flights I've been on, you couldn't avoid it. And I flew to North Carolina and then back from North Carolina to Ohio when I was working in Ohio. And that was the first time since 9-11 that I had been back on an airplane. I had made it a point to stay away from I'm just not going to subject myself to that level of scrutiny. And I, I feel that way in so many things. I 
you know, I, I can't avoid going through a metal detector to get into a courthouse, which is my bread and butter. But when I was first getting started as a lawyer, that was not the way life was. And the world changed around me. And I, I would not advise people to take jobs that would force them to subject themselves to that level of government scrutiny. Well, it's not just government scrutiny. It's everything scrutiny. I mean, at my, my job at a, a local freight carrier... They had signs up that said, no firearms, no firearms. Well, it didn't stop a man from coming in last year and, and shooting a guard. And, and the guard is still in very bad condition, undergoing surgery after surgery after surgery. <laughs> well, and you're right. You know, private entities. I worked for a gun store for a little while, and that gun store made me go through a metal detector at the end of every day to make sure that I wasn't stealing something when I went home. You know, here I am... W- having graduated from law school and everything and and trying to help out and i still get subjected to that i mean and there's but that's a you know a choice of a private company that's not like being forced to go through a metal detector to be able to travel or to attend your own court date well i think that the metal detectors at the airport are there with the with the purpose of trying to keep terrorists from hijacking planes but really what it does is putting up, puts the normal everyday person under scrutiny it's security theater the whole idea is to make you feel make safe make you feel safe even when you're not yeah and you want to know what makes people safe real safety features are what they do in israel I mean, we want to talk about a country that it lives with the ever-present danger of terrorism. How it's many Israeli planes have you seen get hijacked? Just, none. Just asking, none. Why? And when the only times that they have even been attacked were when they were in other countries. There was a, a, a real famous one when an uh, Israeli El Al uh, plane had landed in, I want to say, Berlin. And four hijackers attempted to take the plane. And the Israeli air marshal, using a twenty two pistol, took on the four who were armed with AK-74s and killed all four of them. Okay, but why do you never see an Israeli plane being hijacked and it's because of the security features in the plane they have an armed guard on the plane they have they have more than one impenetrable doors to the the cabin which worked really well for that flight going to to germany the couple what was a month ago yeah because they couldn't get through to stop him from crashing the plane yeah and he was the co-pilot so yeah if it's a good thing and a bad thing. Every, yeah, every security feature has a drawback. And that's something that we don't talk about a lot on this show. I mean, we talk about carrying a gun for self-defense. We talk about carrying it as a badge of honor. We talk about, about getting proper training and everything. But carrying a gun has liabilities and drawbacks that we don't usually want to face. But it's true. Anything that you do, every action you take has a drawback to it. That gun can get taken away from you. That gun can malfunction. That gun can give you a false sense of security when you're not really as in charge as you may think you are. You're never as in charge as you think you are. So, I mean, these are things that need to be considered. Um, We are coming up on a commercial break. We will be back in just a minute. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio right here on your local station. Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, and I think we've had a really good discussion thinking about some of the implications of of these shootings and, and kind of the, the changes that America has gone through. And that's kind of reflected in one of our stories for the good, the bad, and the ugly this week. I mean, we were talking about the good this week, and we had a, a great story coming out of another state, didn't we, Jess? You know, I, I love it when these states that are kind of borderline no guns and then we get a a story like this coming out of ann arbor michigan we have a catholic priest that's telling his parishioners they need to pack heat uh the gentleman's name is reverend edward fraud and he explained why he believed it was necessary to get a concealed carry license because of recent crime in the area during a palm sunday mass last month he announced that the parish would be holding concealed weapons license classes that's awesome yes have it actually at the Catholic Church. Right. He also sent out a program letter entitled, We're Not in Mayberry Anymore, Toto, a reference to how things were in the 1960s and how they're just not like that anymore, and it's time to protect ourselves and those we love. And he believes that just because you have faith in God and you believe that God will protect you doesn't mean that you don't need to take the steps to protect yourself and those you love. You know, I'd really like to reach out to that priest and see if he'd be interested in coming on by telephone one of the upcoming shows. I'm sure we can do that this week and see if he's interested. That because I, I think that that's something that Georgians need to hear. I mean, too often we hear about pastors saying we do, we want the the government to pass a law so that nobody can carry in our church. When I guess I mean, and that just boggles my mind. Why do you need a law? Why can't you just tell your parishioners I don't want you to be safe? Don't bring your guns here. But instead, this pastor says, not only are we going to let you carry in the church, but when everybody go out and get a concealed weapons permit, well, up there it's a concealed pistol license. Mm-hmm. And then we want you to take the classes here for free. So they're doing it at their church. Now, the bad this week is an article in Newsweek, which I read, and it kind of ticked me off. No. No, not Newsweek. Not you getting ticked off Oh, <laughs> Knee slapper. I try. Um, in the latest round of arguments against the campus carry bill now, making its way through the Texas legislature, Newsweek magazine suggests that allowing law-abiding citizens to carry guns on campus would result in fearful professors giving students higher grades than they otherwise deserve. Because professors are such a wishy-washy law to begin with that you know they, they kowtow to the police and anyone who has an authority. They'll just say whatever they want them to say, right? I mean, that's the, that's the hallmark of college professors, just towing the government line, never making waves, never standing up to anybody who has any kind of... I have an overactive imagination anyway, so when I read something like this, I get these visual images in my head. And all I could see was, like, 1980s hairband kids carrying guns, walking up to the teacher. We're not going to take it, you know. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, whatever. The the lengths that they will go to to control our rights. To try to give a justification for an unjustifiable position. So then, for the ugly, this one's pretty ugly, coming out of the Seventh Circuit Court, which would be our lovely state of Illinois. Oh, boy. And they're backwards thinking. you got to love Chicago politics. They well, have they, ruled... Hey now, hey, now, the Chicago School of Thought gave us some great economics, and, and well, that's about it. Anyway. It. Anyway, um, the Seventh Circuit Court rules that bans on assault weapons can be based on feelings feelings nothing Nothing more than feelings feelings. right 
So basically the judge says, I can rule that seeing your gun hurts my feelings and I shouldn't have to see your gun. Only I do not feel that that's constitutional. Feel. 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 I don't believe it's constitutional either. I think that my rights are more important than your feelings. Just saying. Too much touchy-feely going on in Chicago, and that's that's how we end up with half of our trouble anyway. Yes, it is. More than half. I mean, <clears throat> our leader's part of that tr- touchy-feely. Yeah, there's a, there's a long Chicago. story there about how Star Trek ended up with President Obama getting elected. But uh, I, I want to kind of circle back around. You know, we've been talking about a lot of things today. The the good, the bad, and the ugly this week, you know, it was uh, very interesting stories from around the country. And these are the sort of things that, you know, gun owners need to get involved in. I mean, whether you carry a gun uh, in the line of duty, whether you carry a gun as an individual, whether you carry a gun to protect your family and others, or just because you believe that you're a free citizen and have the ability to, it doesn't really matter. You need to be a member of Georgia carry.org and get some some weight behind your voice and get involved with a group of people who can move the legislature's opinion and we've seen that month after month after month how georgiacarry.org members get involved you know in the big shanty festival and in local gun ranges at, at all sorts of events and gun shows and and at the local chapter meetings that they get involved with each other and then when the legislature's in session they can bring their collective weight to bear to get something good done and it's time for us to see something good get done in this state we've had some great advances getting us back to even footing but it's time to start making some some upward motion here and this is this is the next couple of years is where it's going to happen if we get more people involved and the massive 20 dollar a year donation doesn't go very far as far as mo- money to you know move you know you don't get the kind of lobbyists that the nra has or these other groups that come and ask for money every week but you know what the grassroots is far more effective than any lobbyist you'll ever hire so here it is get involved become a member and it's so easy to do you can go to georgiacarry.org and on the top left hand corner click join now or you can go to any gun show or most festivals where georgia carry has the recruiting booth and you can go up get yourself a gun saves lives pin pay your 20 bucks you can start getting the email newsletters know when to call your legislature and get involved it's very important to be involved the the movement that's happened with georgia's gun laws in the past eight or ten years have only happened because of our listeners and and people getting involved people that are willing to call those legislators and say hey we don't like this it needs to be different Absolutely. And the way you get involved and the way you know what's happening is to become a member. And you don't have to just be a, a once-a-year member either. GeorgiaCarry.org has lifetime memberships at $500, which is a phenomenal value. And if you become a life member, there's all sorts of life member-only events and perks, including at the upcoming convention in, in um, August this year that there's going to be a special lunch where you get to have lunch with the keynote speaker. I mean, these are great opportunities and great things to be involved in, whether you can join at the $20 level, the $500 level, or you know, donate to the cause in some other way. It, it doesn't matter. As long as you're getting the emails, you're calling your legislature, you're getting the bills advanced, that's the most important thing. Right, Jesse? I agree. And, you know, we, we go out to these, you know, <coughs> festivals and get to meet people all the time who are georgiacarry.org members. There, there isn't a festival out there where we've been where people are like, who are you? I've never heard of you before. Everybody has heard of georgiacarry.org in some way, shape, or form. It's the most powerful group in, in the entire state. <coughs> and the model that they have is being adopted all over the country. We're starting to see carry.orgs pop up in other states where people are getting more involved and in trying to focus on their legislature. 
I, I cannot tell people how much it's been for me to get involved here and to be active in the organization you know I, i've been hanging around georgia carry for years and you know helping here and there as i can but you know this show has given me an opportunity to interact with people in, in a way that i never had before and to really get personal interaction with a lot of the members yeah and, and we're working on trying to get more members on the show if, if you have a topic you'd like for us to go over please email radio at georgiacarry.org let us know about your topic um, if you have a show idea or something you would like to hear about, that's the best way to get in touch with us. You can also add us as friends on Facebook. You can find me on the North uh, Metro Georgia dot, Georgia dot org, um Facebook page mm-hmm. and on the South Metro Georgia org Facebook page. I've, I've got both of those groups. Lots of ways to reach out to us. If you go to radio at georgiacarry.org, send us an email, radio at georgiacarry.org. Uh, we'll get your feedback. We love to hear topic ideas, uh, people who want to come on the show, people who want to hear certain things on the show, uh, or just general feedback, what you think about the show or, or the guests that we've had or the topics that we've covered. And so that gives you an opportunity to get a little bit of voice in this. We also keep an eye on georgiapacking.org, which is a, a, a local gun board forum where people who are, are chatting can talk about anything they want to and it's not related to georgiacarry.org but it, it's very popular or it's if you have forums for for you to go on and, and talk with other people about gun rights if you have a forum that you like and you'd like to see us participate in shoot us an email and let us know about it and we'll pop in and say hello and try to keep an eye on that too I actually am on Georgia Packing, and I haven't said a whole lot on there, but I go on and, and lurk. I'm, I'm a lurker. <laughs> well, you know, that's not a bad thing. We, we're busy keeping the show going every week, and we have so much that we're doing when reaching out to people. And, and when we go to the gun shows and when we go to do everything, it's hard to, to keep up with everything online. But we, we try real hard to, to take the input and to get it going and to, to do more with people who are involved with the organization. And so, folks, you know, we ask that you would reach out to your local stations. I know that that's something that we've been trying to do here often is get you to reach out and to bring us to your local station. They can reach out to us at radio at if they're interested. We, this has been a very good show, and we appreciate your time. And we will be back next week right here on your local station or on the website. You've been listening to georgiacarry.org radio. This has been georgiacarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Georgiacarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Georgiacarry.org radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.